if you'd take your Bibles out, please. Uh, we are going to be closing out our series in Genesis, and we're going to be reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. I want to say thank you so much, listen, for being here today as we close out. I want to speak to this group here. I said this in the first service. I want to say it to you. Uh, back in August, we uh, went to three different worship gatherings because of the blessing of the Lord and what he was doing and seeing people come. And man, praise God. I mean, that was, uh, that was in August. And here we are sitting uh, not even a year away, and our services are filling incredibly. And I'm so thankful for that. I want to invite, maybe you don't know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, that we have also an eight- 10 and a 1050, both of which seem to be rising also. And I want to invite you to go on mission with us. And that would mean if you could, some of you who have some flexibility in your scheduling on Sunday, meaning you're not serving in a certain area that di dictates a certain uh, worship hour, if you have the ability to maybe move a cha make a change and you go into the, some go into the 810, some to the 1050, you may be asking, well, why would we do that? Well, listen, this is the hour that most people, when they come to visit with us, want to, they, they take a step in. And so I'm speaking directly to our members and re regular attenders. If you're a guest today, you keep coming to this hour if this is the hour. As our members and regular attenders, I want to encourage you, if you have the ability, would you consider prayerfully making a move into one of those so that more people can continue to come. Praise God for what it is that he's doing. We are, we are so thankful. Uh, you can continue to pray for us because we're, we're, I'm meeting in uh, another week or so uh, with some uh, people who understand buildings and designs and trying to, we're all trying to figure out uh, what is the next step here. Our next step immediately is, is to try to make sure that all of our services are growing and f filling. So you help us out with that if you have the ability. Again, we're closing out today our uh, series called Origin, the beginnings. Uh, that's what Genesis means is the beginning. It's the origin of where things happen. We, over the last uh, three weeks, four weeks now, this will be the fourth week, we've talked about the beginning of creation. We've talked about uh, the, how God created mankind. We've talked about the, the origin of marriage. Today, we're going to talk about the origin of sin and salvation, the origin of sin and the origin of salvation. And all of this comes in chapter three. I believe this is probably one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible. 
if you've been around me any length of time, you've heard me talk about how we live in a G3 world. When I say G3, I mean Genesis 3. We live in a fallen world. And today, I want us to be able to look at what does that mean for us? Where did all this come from? How did we end up getting here? <clears throat> During this hour, we have middle schoolers who are meeting in their Engage program, their, their, their middle school discipleship. There's over 30 students down there right now being uh, discipled uh, as a part of their, uh, of their spiritual growth. I was a middle schooler once. I'm looking around. Most of you were middle schoolers at some point. Uh, back when I was in middle school, it was called junior high school, and it was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. Uh, I was a knucklehead, kind of, that'd be a polite way to say it. Uh, I tried to get away with as many things as I could get away with. Uh, the problem was, by the grace of the Lord, he always had me get found out. I, was, I never was able to get away with those things. Uh, and when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I had a principal, a middle school principal, and his name was uh, Dr. Tillery, Dr. Charles Tillery, wonderful, wonderful man. Now that I'm an adult, I, I understand why there were three principals, and a principal and associate principals and all those kinds of things. Looking back, I realized, oh, he was in charge of discipline. That was his job, and I was his buddy. I was around him all the time. In fact, looking back, I might even call him the Holy Spirit of the, church, of the school because everywhere I was, Mr. Tillery seemed to be hovering. He was around there. Mr. Tillery had a saying that he would say to many people, I hope, I heard it all the time. He, and he always called me going. He said, going, I didn't take you to raise. That confused me to all kinds of get out. Who is Ray? I don't know who Ray is. And I keep thinking, who, who is this Ray? Should I know this person? He would catch me in the middle of something. He'd say, didn't I tell you I didn't take you to Ray's? I, I, I didn't have the heart, the confidence. Is Ray a store that we're going to go to? Is Ray a person that I should know? It, I was so confused by this. It wasn't until I was in my third time of college algebra that I was sitting there thinking. Somehow, Mr. Tillery came back up, and it hit me. He wasn't talking about a person. He was talking about raising me up from a boy to a man. It, it all, not R-A-Y apostrophe S, but R-A-I-S-E. He was talking about raising me up. And then I realized at that moment, this is what algebra is for, to help me solve problems. <laughs> I was so confused. Listen, I think that's a little bit of a picture of what Genesis 3 is all about, about how the enemy... And I want to be really clear here, really, really clear. I'm going to say that a couple of times because I do not want you to be confused. I want to be really clear. This whole Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a story that daddy makes up or mama makes up as a nighttime bed story. This is real and true. This is how the world began. You remember us saying that if we doubt the word of God, if we do not believe this portion of it, then what causes us to believe any other portion of it? This is how everything began. This is why it's so important that we catch this Genesis 3. 
Everyone knows that our world is confused. Every, you don't have to be a believer. You can be a non-believer. You can be whatever you, can be whatever you want to be, thinking whatever you want to think, but we all know it's messed up. This world is confused, and we've got to figure out. In fact, many people ask, how did it get this way? Why did it get this way? Where did all this happen? And I believe Genesis 3 is where it happens. This is how we're going to see today. So if you've got a Bible, I hope you have it open. I hope that you're looking at it. I hope you've got a piece of paper or a pen, you're thumbing some notes, because we're going to kind of walk through Genesis 3, 1 through 7, and then we're going to look at another verse uh, and a couple of others along the way. And I want to talk to you today for a few moments about the origin of sin. And the very first point that I want you to write down is this, is that how did the origin of sin happen? One, the enemy came to confuse us about God's word. The enemy came to confuse us about God's word. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, that would be Eve, he said, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did he actually say that? Uh, well, I mean, the, the first question, if you're a Bible study person, a, a student of the Word, is you're trying to ask, well, what is the serpent? This is the first time this is introduced. It says that he was more crafty than any beast of the field. We would typically say a, a serpent is a, you know, it's a, it's a snake. Well, he classifies it as a beast, part of the beast of the field. The word uh, in Hebrew, in case you don't know, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, it was the original language. We didn't have it written in English to begin with. It came in Hebrew. This word in uh, serpent in Hebrew means snake. That's how we assume. That's how we know this is a snake. But it has some alternative also secondary definitions that I think are very important that add light to this snake. Notice what it, this is what it says about uh, the word snake in Hebrew. It means to slither. It means the enchanter to slither the enchanter, and is slippery. My goodness, this is still who we do battle with today. Who was this snake? Well, Revelation chapter 3 gives him a name. He's called the ancient serpent. Well, the ancient serpent, it says, his name is Satan. We still have this enemy today. If you are a follower of Christ, in fact, I want to say this to you. If you're not a follower of Christ, did you realize that you have an enemy named Satan who wants to, from day one, his job has been to, to deceive you, to steal, to kill, to destroy. The New Testament says he is, he's come to devour you, this is his role. This is his job. And as I do often, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of a, of a leeway of where we're going, a, a roadmap on this. Do you realize that's his only tactic still for you today is to confuse you about God's word? Because if he can confuse you about God's word, then he gets you off track on everything else in life. As a follower of Christ, you are called something. You have been deemed something. You have been given all of these things in Christ. And if you begin to believe the lie of the slippery uh, enchanter, the one who seeks to steal, kill, destroy, devour, deceive you, to lie to you, and you believe his judgment over and against God's word, then you will end up like a golf ball in high weeds really quick. This is his job. And to, again, to be really clear, I want to make sure that I'm clear on this. There aren't two gods. There's only one God. 
Hero Israel, Hero Riverdale, the Lord God is one. He is one. He is one in essence. He's revealed himself to us as three persons. One, yet three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Satan, the serpent, is a created being. He's not a God. The scripture tells us that he is created. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. You want to write that down? I want you to go back and see it. Isaiah 14, 12 says that Satan was an, angel, was an angelic created being. And that at some point, we don't know exactly when, there's not a time frame. I guess really the time frame is it's, it's before creation because, and it's before he tempted, he led a rebellion in heaven because he was not content with being with God. He wanted to be God, wanted to be like God. So he was cast out of heaven, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 and following begins to let us know. And here, this is the one. The same one who lies to us, who same one who wants to devour us. So we have to know what his tricks are. We have to know what his schemes, the schemes of the evil one, this is it. So he slithers up and he begins to enchant and deceive Eve. And here's what he says to her. Look at verse one. Did God say you can't eat from the tree, any, from any tree in the garden? Did he say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Listen, do you realize he changed the word of God right here? Three times in these seven verses, you have the word of God, the words of God mentioned. And each time it's mentioned, they're, they're twisted, they're, not, they're, they're abused, they're not what the word of God was. See, he's come to confuse us. He wants to change God's word. He wants to cause you to doubt God's word. So that when, you, when he changes it and confuses you about what God really says, what it is that he desires, he has you right where he wants you. This is why the word of God is so important to us. Well, what did the word of God, what, what, what were the words of God that he twisted and changed? Look at Genesis chapter 2. Turn back. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man. The Lord God commanded his word. He spoke to Adam. You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day, I want you to notice this. He didn't say if you eat. He says, for in that day when you eat, when, that you eat of it, you shall surely die. There were all these trees in the garden uh, that they could eat of any of them. They could eat of any of the fruit of the trees of the garden. There were two trees that were in the middle of it. And you could eat of one of them as the tree of life. The tree that as you ate it, it gave eternal life. It continued for living. You see, this is what God desired, what his plan was. Yet he also says, listen, there's another tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat it, your eyes are going to be open and it will be a rebellion. You will be taking your own life in your own hands, not following after me. And it will lead to death. I ha like it's just laying there. I have to say to you and I that when we choose the city of man over the city of God, when we choose our own thoughts over the word of God, when we choose the thoughts of someone else versus what God has to say, do you realize that we're choosing death over life? The words of God bring life. That's why all throughout the scripture, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day blessings or curse. Choose you this day life or death. The words of God. And yet the enemy, his whole desire is to get you listening to him, questioning 
God's word and being confused about it. And we do this every day, don't we? I don't think any one of us in here ever wakes up and goes, you know, today I'm going to destroy my family. I don't think any of us ever wake up and go, you know what, I think I'm going to cheat my way through the rest of the day. I can fudge here. I can lie over here. You know what? I think I'm just going to go and I'm going to take some money over here that doesn't, or property that doesn't belong to me. I don't think any of us ever do that. But this is what Satan does is he comes to us and he talks to us and he tempts us. He gets us to believing that no one's ever going to know. Listen, sowing and reaping, what are you talking about? That's not even true. Your life, what you do only affects you. It doesn't affect anyone else. And that is a lie. You see, he confuses you and the reason that he, and me, and the reason that he confuses us is because we don't know his word. Because we're not spending time in his word. But some of you might go, I don't know if I have time. Listen, in today's world, we don't have time not to be in his word. Uh, whether we're reading God's word, we're on, I, there are truck drivers in this very room who listen to God's word all the time. They're listening to his word. They're listening to his messages. We sit in small group one with another so that we can talk about God's word. We memorize God's word. There are people in this room today who hide God's word in their heart. We meditate on God's word. We think on his word. Why do we do that? So that we won't be confused, so that we won't fall to the schemes of the evil one. Because the evil one, the serpent, the one who has come to steal, kill, destroy, devour, the, the great liar, he's speaking to you and he says, it's, only, it's not gonna harm you. And I need you to know, it will kill you, not just harm you, kill you. The word of God is true. Can you imagine Adam and Eve walked in this garden? They had everything that they could want, any tree in the world. They got, and they walked by these trees, all these trees, and they walked by this one. Isn't that just like us, the very thing that we are told, not here, not this. You ever had a child that you told them, listen, you got the whole backyard, you got the front yard. Don't go to the street. Listen, you've got this whole pantry of things over here. These cookies are for later. <laughs> Listen, uh, we do this. You know why? Because of our first father who, when the mold was broken, <laughs> when he was broken by sin, that means all the rest of us were broken too. And so our sin nature, so the evil one knows this, and he comes and he says, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to obey your parents. You don't have to follow the law. You don't have to follow the rules. You don't have, listen, you do, in, in this day and time, it's called expressive individualism. Don't tell me. I'm going to do what I want to do, act the way I want to do, act, go where I want to go. I was driving, Amy and I were driving this weekend, and people are crazy on the road. <laughs> you realize that driving is all about mutual expectation. You put a blinker on, you're expecting, oh, they're going to turn. It's not like they just turn all of a sudden. You got to, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm making a little light of this, but listen, we, the Lord God has given us his word to protect us, to guide us. And you know why? Because he is a good God. He is a good God. God did not give us his word so that he would restrict you. He gave you his word. He gave me his word so that he would bring us freedom and life. It's freedom and life. Listen, I always tell, I used to tell my kids, listen, here's the boundaries. And you've got all kinds of freedom 
in the boundaries. You do it. Go. But you go, don't go outside the boundaries. Don't go outside the boundaries. Listen, playing sports, there are rules when you play sports. And you're going to watch a couple of football games today, and there are out-of-bounds lines. You can't just run wherever you want. You can't just do whatever you want because the game's no fun. Nobody would come. Nobody would watch. The rules, the restrictions, the boundaries that the Lord God gave you, gave me, are for life and health and freedom. And did you realize that when you were born, you were already born into slavery? Because of Adam's sin, Eve's sin, we have a broken nature. We are born sinners. We are not born as a clean slate getting to choose. We are born sinners because of Adam. We don't, we're not born and then we do something wrong and, oh, we've become sinners. No, you're born and you sin. The Bible says that we're slaves to sin. And when you come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he gives you freedom. He gives you understanding for his word, not to confuse you, but to bring life. He brought you from death to life. And the enemy comes to deceive you, to destroy you, because he wants you to doubt God's word and God's goodness. Do you know that God's word tells us this? Ephesians, 30, these aren't going to be on the screen. Ephesians 34, 6, God's goodness is abundant. Psalm 23, 6, his goodness is always with us. James chapter 1 says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Psalm 107 tells us that he fills your hungry soul with good things. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all the Bible in the longest book in all the Bible. There's 175, 176 verses in Psalm 119. There are 175 references to his word, his commandments, his statutes, his laws, his precepts, his word. And, there, and, and it always says it, they're good. And the enemy wants to confuse you. You know why? Because this is, this is his oldest trick. This is his only trick, is to confuse you about the goodness and the word of God. If he can do that, if he can get you to doubt that God's word is good. Parents, have you ever told your kids, listen, I, I mean good for you. This is why I'm giving you this. Yeah, you, all of us have at some level. This, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is good for us, meant for us, even when we can't see it. I'm in a health kick right now, and I do mean kick. Pray that that kick keeps getting higher, all right? Some things that you do in a health kick, you don't see immediately, and in the beginning of it, you start going, I don't like this. But the longer you walk, go to the gym, Eat right, sit with God in the morning, hear the voice of the Spirit speak to you, confirm the Word of God in your life. You begin to see changes in your life. You begin to see, oh, God, this is correct. Now, here's the thing I'm also thankful about in God's goodness is that though He does not expect us to be perfect, and He calls us back to Him with that 
Let's look at the second thing real quick, God's judgment. He wants us to be confused about God's judgment. I want you to see this. Look at verse 4 of chapter 3. Look at verse 4 of chapter 3. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He says, you will not surely die. Did you realize this is a, 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 like a direct frontal assault on the word of God? Now, he's no longer trying to confuse them. He just went straight at it and said, it's a lie. Folks, this is where we are today. People, this is where we find churches today in many instances who are confused and compromising God's word and saying, well, yeah, I don't think that it really means that. Because the word of the Lord is good and true and right. And so in Genesis chapter 2, 17, when, he, when the Lord told Adam, if you do this, you will die. When you do this, you will will die. Folks, all the different things that we read God's word and go, I don't know if it still means that today. It does. It may be tough to swallow, but it does because God never changes. His word never changes. In fact, Hebrews tells us that there's two things that will last for eternity, the souls of men and the word of God. It'll always stand. And so if you want the best bet ever, bet on his word. See, he made a frontal assault and said, listen, uh, what do you mean sowing and reaping? Uh, you, you, listen, you sow all the seeds you want. You're not going to reap anything for it. What, what do you mean you're going to die? You're not surely going to die. That is not what's going to happen. You see, he is attacking the veracity of the word, the truthfulness of the word. Uh, Listen, uh, uh, here's the lie you start hearing. That's just preacher stuff. That's just Friar Brimstone stuff. That doesn't happen anymore. Listen, students that are in here, kids that are in here, uh, yeah, Mr. Austin may have said that. Heath may have said that. But listen, they don't walk in the world that you walk in. You're right, I don't. What I do know, though, is this, is that the word of God is true always, every day, 100%. It will never, the word of God will never, ever fail you. It may cost you. It may cost you. I had a conversation with a lady this week. She came to the office, and um, she works for a school system in our area, and she would not celebrate something publicly. And the next day she was in HR and walked out. She didn't walk out of her job. She was walked out of her job. She said, I can't, I can't because of the word of God. She came, she's crying, she's upset. All I could do was go back to the word. You know what she told me? She said, I came to the church on the very first Sunday that, you, that the church began bold in Babylon. And I said, then you need to go back and you need to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel. You need to remember that they resolved from the very beginning. And it didn't take them out of it, but they remembered God's word and they walked through it. The Lord God walked them through it. The word of God is true and right. You know why I think the, why the enemy attacks at the, uh, the, the God's, 
God's word and his goodness, and he wants us to doubt God's judgment because without God's judgment, without there being any kind of judgment, without there being any kind of consequences, what ends up happening is this, is that we minimize the cross. And you realize the cross is all we have as believers. I don't mean like your necklace. I mean the instrument that Jesus crawled onto and died. He died. The scripture tells us as you keep going past verse 7, it tells us that when they ate of the fruit, and men, I want to be really clear, Eve was confused and she fell for the lie. The man disobeyed what God told him to do and did not lead his wife and stand in front of her and protect her. Husbands, in Ephesians chapter 5, you're called to wash your wife with the water of the word. That means being poor the water of the word over, raising her up, speaking the word to her, leading her in study. She knew the word. Obviously, something had happened, but she didn't know it well enough. She got confused. Uh, and who did God come to? He didn't go to Eve. Who did he go to? Adam. Adam. Men, it is imperative. Young men in this room, old men in this room, those of you who are not, who are not married yet, it is imperative that you trust the word of God. Don't be confused over it. Know that his goodness is in his word and that you're called to lead by the word of God. This is what he's called us to says, both of their eyes were open in verse 7, 3, 7. Both of their eyes were open. They knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin cloths. From the very moment that their eyes were open, their consciences were seared, God, exactly what God said, you're going to know. Their consciences were seared. Isn't it amazing when you're in the middle of something or you're running towards it? They don't know. This ain't right. Nothing's going to happen to me. But the moment that you disobey the word of God, it's all of a sudden like you go, oh gosh, you, you, it's, the spirit just sits and we know. And what do we do? Exactly what Adam and Eve did. You run, you hide because sin makes us want to hide. I can't tell you how many people I talk to who are, they've been found out or the Holy Spirit has revealed to them, and what they, what they begin talking about is this, is I've tried to hide it, I've tried to cover it, I want to make sure. Adam and Eve took some fig leaves. We know they were fig trees. They took some fig leaves, and they made loincloths. They covered themselves up. Why? Because they knew immediately their eyes had been opened. They died spiritually at that moment. Their relationship with the Lord was broken. They eventually died physically. Can you imagine being Adam and Eve and eating whatever that fruit was? Apple, tomato, I don't know, a fig. It says fig leaves. I, whatever it was that they ate, could you imagine with their eyes are open and they go, are we about to die? What's going to happen? But the Lord God, but the Lord God, I want you to hear this, but the Lord God says he came looking for them. Uh, today, you've been running from the Lord. You've been hiding. You've been like discounting the scripture. You're caught in sin. But I want you to know the Lord, but the Lord God is running after you. He is coming for you. He is coming for you. He's not waiting for you to come to him. He's coming to you. The scripture says he came and he asked. He says, Adam, notice he didn't call Eve. He said, Adam, 
Where are you? What, what have you done? What's happened? We ate. We ate. And the Lord God turned and he began to list off some cursings. He went to the serpent, he went to the woman, and he went to the man. And I want to point out one verse to you in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is the origin of salvation right here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The Lord God is speaking, and he's speaking to the serpent, Satan, the created one, the deceiver, the devourer, the slitherer. This is what he says. I will put enmity, that's hatred, hostility. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, her offspring, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the very first sermon preached in the Bible. And it was preached by God himself. This is called theologically the proto-evangelium. You know what that means? The first gospel. This is the first time the gospel is preached. When he says to the serpent, he says, I want you to know, her offspring, Jesus, the one who will come, Jesus will come. And I want you to know that he's going to crush your head. He's going to defeat you. In the midst of defeating you, you're going to bruise his heel. You're going, he, you're going to, he's going to bruise your head. That word means crush. You're going, to, you're going to bruise him, but he's going to crush you. How was Jesus bruised? The one who came, the sinless son of God who came, who walked this earth, who lived a perfect life. The one whom which the evil one is trying to get you to go, no, 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 there's no need for the cross. You don't have to worry about that. Listen, you're not going to be judged one day. And listen, sin always costs. Sin always costs. Genesis chapter 3, you can look down at verse 21 or write it down. It tells us this, that God in his mercy gave them, says he made for them skins, loincloths. How would a skin of an animal have been made in that day? He could have spoken it. But the pattern that you see throughout Scripture is this, is that when that skin, there had to have been an animal that was, died, that was killed. Because God made a way for Adam and Eve to be right again, to have relationships. So someone, someone, something had to die. The Scripture tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So God sends his one and only son, Jesus. He walks this earth. He lives a perfect life. And that perfect life got him crushed, bruised, killed on a cross. He was murdered. Peter says, you guys did it, but I want you to know you did it because God planned it. You see, all the way back to Genesis, God knew they're going to eat and they're going to try to solve it by covering it up. But I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way. And Jesus laid in the tomb for three days, and three days later, he arose, seen by 500 people over 40 days. And today, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Scripture tells us that his disciples saw him ascend into heaven. And he says, listen, the way I'm going, I'm going to return one day. 
the Lord God today, his word tells us that he's coming again. His word says that all who believe in him, Romans chapter 10, I want you to see this, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13 tell us this. Romans 10, 9 through 13 tell us this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord over all, bestowing riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 Paul said, it was through one man, Adam, that sin entered the world, and therefore death came. Verse 17, five verses later, he says, just as death came through one man, life also came through one man's righteousness, and his name is Jesus Christ. Paul goes on in, verse 10, in chapter 10, and he says this. He says, the way that you receive, and I want to be really clear here. I don't want you to be confused. Some of you, you've been trying to say it. Hell Mary's, do penance. Trust your baptism. We had a baptism last week. You realize that baptism does not save that lady. It is her profession of faith. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion. And some of you are going to think, if I take enough communion, if I give enough money, if I help enough people, if my good outweighs my bad, I want you to know you're confused because the enemy is confusing you. The Bible says that the only way that we come to know Jesus Christ, to have a right relationship, is because of his righteousness. I'm broken today. You're broken today because of Adam's sin. The Bible says that you want to be unbroken. You want to be whole and righteous before God. The only way is by one man's death, and that is Jesus Christ, by his resurrection. And all who will call on his name, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor. doesn't matter if you don't know algebra like me or if you're a pro at it. The scripture says there is no distinction. No distinction. Everyone who believes in their heart and they confess with their mouth, everyone will be saved. All who will call upon him. And today in this room, I want to be really careful. I want to make sure I get to see folks. Today in this room, there are some of you that you're sensing that. And I don't want you to, I want you to know, it's for your good, the Holy Spirit has brought you here and he is speaking to you. The enemy, the one who wants to steal, kill, destroy, devour, is speaking also and saying, he's lying. Listen, you're okay. But God's word is not confusing. It's very clear that today you get to choose life or you choose death. People ask me all the time, so like, do you believe people are chosen? I do. Do you believe that I can respond? I do. So if I'm chosen, how do I, how do I respond? Well, you say yes when he opened your eyes. And today there's the Lord God in here choosing some of you to life. And I want you to hear me. You do have the ability to walk away. Your heart is hardened. I want you to hear this. If he has called you and brought you to life, you'll come. I hope I've not been confusing. I hope it's been clear. The word of God is true. 
Believer, if you've been discounting his word, not living in his word, I'm asking you to come, repent, turn back. God, I I trust your word. Let's pray together. Father, I love you and I thank you. I honor you. I'd like to ask you today, Father, that you would draw people to yourself. You would save them. Lord, we honor you. We magnify you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.